Have you ever noticed how we're different and the same and the same and we're different and we're different and the same? All kinds of people, all kinds of people, all kinds of people in the world. Now, on the Talk of Muncie, WMUN, All Kinds of People, hosted by Dr. Joe Mashevitz. Getting to know the people of Muncie and Delaware County, Indiana, in a way you've never heard before. It's another way we're using our voice to build our community from Woof Boom Radio and 92.5 FM, 1340 AM, WMUN. Here's your host, Dr. Joe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Kinds of People, WMUN, the talk of Muncie. And I am delighted that Rich Maloney made his way down to Woof Boom Studios this morning. Rich Maloney, the winningest baseball coach in Ball State history. Coach, welcome to Woof Boom Studios. Uh, great to be here, Dr. Joe. <laughs> it's neat to have you down here, good sir. And we share a little Michigan upbringing, thank you. We won't get into my Michigan <laughs> background details, but um, I, I'd like to have you kind of drift back to childhood in Michigan, maybe elementary school and then into high school. And what do you think it was that kind of got you into bouncing a baseball around or hitting that bat over the fence? or Those kinds of things got you interested pretty clearly for what has been an incredible career, both here and at the University of Michigan. Well, thank you, Dr. Joe. I, uh, first of all, I was raised in a very small home, which we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love. My mom and dad were just great folk. And uh, mom passed a few years ago, but dad's still living in that same house. Yeah. That you know where it's at, yeah. about, uh, about less than a half a mile from Rose Bowl Lanes, where I grew up on the east side of Detroit in, in a city called Roseville. And uh, it's very interesting to me that we grew up um, basically on a city line, East Detroit and Roseville, across each other. So yeah, that was cool. And rivals, and, the, and we had talked about the old Eastern Michigan League. Yeah, so that, that's League. dating us a little bit, but nevertheless. So dad is still in the home. Yeah, so dad's yeah. in the home. And then dad, uh, dad used to pitch to me in the backyard with wiffle balls. And that's really where my love of the game started at a very early age. And my dad did not play high school baseball or college. He was a softball player, though. Okay. Uh, and uh, he used to take me to all the games. I'd be the bat boy. Um, but he really, he just played catch with me with the football, shot baskets with me with the basketball, pitched to me with the uh, wiffle ball. And um, I grew this love for baseball. Yeah. And it all started right in that little house over there in Roseville. Um, so... Um, very thankful for my upbringing. Then I went to uh, Lincoln Elementary School, uh, where I had a elementary school teacher that really made a difference in my life. Her name was Mrs. Dawson. Okay. And um, I had the privilege of seeing her maybe about five or six years ago when I went back to Roseville. And it was an honor to celebrate her because she made a difference in my life, impacted my life. And I think the course of my career, really, I've been impacted by coaches and teachers. And that's why I wanted to be a coach. So then I went to Roseville High School. Okay, good old uh, Roseville High yeah, School. Yeah. My yeah. enemy back in the yeah, day. Yeah, all right. Too, Rivalries. <laughs> yeah, East I Detroit know. and uh, Roseville. But nevertheless, um, I had a high school coach there 
named John Blatnick. He was my basketball and baseball coach. I actually had two baseball coaches at the same time, which is rare. They split the head coach duties. Bob DeStefano is another guy uh, okay. that had big influence on my life. So these guys breathed into me, encouraged me, loved on me, challenged me. And then Mr. B um, used to take some guys to on the weekend to go to baseball, college baseball games if you wanted to go. And I was the only boy that ever wanted to go. So him and Mrs. B would uh, cart me off to Michigan and cart me off to Eastern Michigan or Western Michigan or wherever to watch baseball. And that's where my dream for to play college came alive. And Mr. B had gone to Western Michigan. Uh, and so that was intriguing to me because Mr. B went there. <laughs> and I ended up at Western Michigan. So yes, you ended of, up at Western Michigan. Yeah. And had quite a career. Thank you. Um, yeah. Well, there was another step in the road when Fred Decker became my like my second dad. Okay. We just celebrated him. He made the Michigan Hall of Fame, the State of Michigan Baseball Hall of Fame, and um, really has had impact on my life to this day. Um, so because of these various coaches and people that, uh, you know, honestly, the good Lord put in my life, that really changed the course of my, my being. Do you think, Coach, having that kind of experience with other coaches – allows you to set up the same kind of friendships and relationships with your players, knowing that you're going to have an impact on their lives. And by the way, consume a little bit of your time mm -hmm. <laughs> because you are going to provide them guidance and kind of become a second dad. Yeah. I mean, that's the joy of coaching right there. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I got into coaching because these guys added value to my life and I wanted to be like them. And so in my career, I've tried to add value to as many people as I possibly could. Uh, and I've been thankful to be at two great places in Ball State and the University of Michigan. Uh, and coming back the second time to Ball State just rekindled the relationships I already had, but it made them greater. Yeah. And so yeah. We've, been, we've been a blessed family, and uh, the coaching life's not easy. Uh, because you're gone a lot. And to be successful, you have to put in a lot, a lot of time with other people. With other people, you I know. know. And that's the... Away from family at times, it's obviously. The, it's the challenge. Uh, but in so many ways, our family's been so blessed because of the opportunities we've had to do so many different things we'd have never been able to do. Yeah. So we're thankful. It's, it's interesting to me, Western Michigan, you nailed down three letters. You were the two-time captain, two-time All-Mac first team, most valuable player in 1985, 362 batting average. I think to my days back in Little League, there's no way I would have. <laughs> um, and you're in Western's Hall of Fame, which you were put into 2004. When you reflect back on those college days, um, baseball was dominant. Of course, you got really good grades in all those classes you were taking. Thank you. But... Good memories at Western? Oh, my goodness. I mean, you have such a great history at Western. And as a shortstop on top of that, thank you, covering that gap between third and second, that's a lot of territory. <laughs> yeah, I've always been – I love playing shortstop, and sometimes I had the privilege of playing second as well. But I've always uh, been passionate about being an infielder ever since I was a little boy. Uh, with that being said, Western's experience was phenomenal. Truly transformed my life. It was uh, in uh, growing years, um, and to have a coach like Fred Decker, uh, who's just as good a coach as he was, which he you know had a great career, but more importantly, a better person. 
and the friends that I made. Matter of fact, we just celebrated Coach in Lansing uh, about two weeks ago. And um, I always rally a group to come back for lunch every December. We go visit Coach, and I get all the guys. They come from Chicago, from Detroit, from all different places just to spend lunch. So we spend about three, four I spend the whole day with Coach. The rest of the guys spend about two or three hours together. That's me, me, me and Coach get there early. We have coffee together. Then we stayed old. We just it's because he's had such an impact on my life. Where where was Rich Maloney? Everybody, the head coach of Ball State men's baseball. Um, what are those memories like when you get up there with the coach? Um, well, I also became his assistant coach. So I tell you a great story about Fred Decker, the kind of person that he is. Uh, when I finished my pro career. Um, I knew I wanted to coach in college if I would get the chance. Um, ironically, divine timing allowed uh, an opening as a part-time coach. Uh, and that was at Western, right? Yeah, full-time coach under my mentor, but part-time money, no benefits. <laughs> uh, my wife and my wife had to support me for a few years. I got some more education done, which was great. Yep. But it, with that being said, uh, Fred moved from being the hitting infield coach which he did his whole career to being the pitching coach and allowing me to be the infield hitting coach not many people would do that whoa that says a lot about fred decker and how much he wanted to mentor me yeah and give you some guidance along the way with the infield and everything else yeah yeah Yeah. we're having a good chat with rich malone everybody when we come back we'll talk about some of his activities with the atlanta braves organization get into a little bit of the family and I'm going to be a little curious, Coach, to know about going to Michigan and then all of a sudden coming back to Ball State. I just think that's an interesting movement for a coach to make. So stay with us on all kinds of people on WMUN, the talk of Muncie. It's Dr. Joe saying we'll be back after this break. This is WMUN's All Kinds of People with Dr. Joe. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Dr. Joe here with Rich Maloney, the head men's baseball coach at Ball State. Coach, what's it like to have 60-some players drafted into the pros? I mean, I try to wrap my hands around. <laughs> I could see that, I guess, in a what I would call a bigger league program, but that's incredible to have 65 players. And... And if my numbers are right, 61st round draft picks from Ball State. What's that like when they come to you and say, Coach, guess what? <laughs> it's been an incredible ride. Uh, there's so many great players I've had the privilege of coaching. And the thing that I'm, I guess I'm so proud of is the fact that when we, these young men uh, believed in the vision that we had here at Ball State, and uh, they, um, chose to come here and they came here as non-drafted players uh really 95 percent of them weren't drafted out of high school so therefore they got a lot better six of them became millionaires uh through the baseball draft and uh that i had the privilege of coaching so to watch a young man come in here with dreams yeah with dreams but not as a high draft choice or no, but not then even develop their skill yes, sets yes and they have the privilege of working with them and see them grow both as human beings and 
you know, young men into men, and then all of a sudden get rewarded for their hard efforts, uh, is a joy that I can't tell you. When Brian Bullington was picked number one, he was the one player who was drafted out of high school really low, about 38th round. Now they only have 20 rounds, but nevertheless, when he became the number one pick in the draft, I mean, here at Ball State, the number one in the entire baseball draft, was honestly one of the greatest experiences that, uh, obviously in Brian's life, but in my life as well. Do you remember him telling you how that happened, or were you tuned oh, in? You I was, were tuned into it, obviously. Oh, I was... <laughs> we had we had this. So I remember him. Here's a quick story. I had him in the Mid American Conference tournament his freshman year. He became freshman uh, MAC player of the pit, uh, pitcher of the year. And uh, Brian was pitching in the Mid American Conference tournament, and he normally threw around 90, 91 miles an hour at that time. The highest level of college baseball at that time was about ninety five miles an hour. Today's measure is a hundred, but back then it was ninety five. With that being said, here's Brian as a freshman. He's throwing 95 miles an hour. He, we lose the game to Ohio U. I still remember it. And I walk over to Brian, and I said, Brian, I got to tell you that I think you should set your goal on being the number one pick in the draft. I honestly think you can do it. And um, we looked at it. That was the goal that we both set for him, you know, knowing that any number of things could happen. You could be the understand, top player, understand, and you could be the third pick. But as irony would turn out, he ended up being the number one pick here at Ball State. And I happened to be the Michigan coach because at the end of Brian's junior year, I accepted the Michigan job, and we all cried together, all of us. And then, But, Brian, I had a deal with Michigan that when the draft came, which was about 10 days later or so, that I would be Ball State again. And that's the deal I had with Ball State, and that's the deal I had with Michigan because I was going to be with Brian in the Bullingtons on that big day to see, okay. if, see if he'd be number one. And we didn't know until – Right before the draft, it wasn't publicized like it is now. So there was a lot of unknown. And uh, But when Brian was picked number one, and they had 30 or 40 big satellites right out in front of his pictures. Yeah, what goes through your mind, Coach? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't even tears to the eyes. And then to watch him handle with grace his humility, it was a joy as a coach. That's such a great story to have those memories that you can take with you down the road. And obviously, still stay in touch with those players as they develop their careers and families. Um, yeah, yeah, it just makes for an interesting. We're with Rich Maloney, everybody, the head baseball coach at Ball State. Coach, um, what's it like to get forty wins in a season? I tried to put that into my head, saying forty wins in a season. Um, that's big. Yeah, the seasons I mean, that's are big. seasons are really hard, and when you have a fifty-six game regular season yeah, schedule, yeah, fifty-six games, but to win forty, yeah, it's it's really hard, especially as a northern team. People don't quite understand because we're playing like this particular year. We played nineteen games at home, so that means you're playing. We were um, thirty-six and sixteen, I think, this year. So that's fifty-two, fifty-two games, uh, and anyway. No, we were 36 and 23, I'm sorry, so 59 games. So we had 59 games and 19 of them were at home, so 40 on the road. When you're playing on the road in the NCAA, in the history of the NCAA, 62% of the games are for the home team wins. The better teams win about 80% probably, the really good teams. Okay. But nevertheless, okay. let's just put the math together. Winning 40. So the home hometown advantage is big. Is big. In baseball. And it's bigger the higher the level of the competition you play. So with only playing 19 home games, it makes it very difficult to win 40 games. It's hard, period, but then to only play 19 at home. So we've done that um, here at Ball State um, three times in my career, and uh, at Michigan I had the privilege of doing it four times, I yep, think. Yep. So we've done it a fair amount. But 
and we've been close many many times but it's hard to do so it's quite an accomplishment i'm proud of our boys when they do that i mean that's as a People don't really understand how difficult that is. They really no, don't. I, I mean, I just think it's amazing. I kept looking at that 40 wins and not having a depth in baseball, um, knowing it's a 56 game. I just think that's just an incredible number to have. And I do wonder as a coach, when you show up for, let's say, a weekend series, what goes through your head as you try to get a sense of are the players really ready? Is there maybe a player that's having a bad day or – Maybe he took a quiz this morning in class and did terrible so he doesn't feel like playing. Or how do you juggle those nine players because it's a little more than the five in the bas- basketball? Or um, How do you tune into them to yeah, say? The, hard, the hardest thing, honestly, is the nine that are playing isn't the toughest challenge. Now, that's psychologically you got to keep them because the game's built on failure baseball. Yeah. So you could have a bad outing as a pitcher, you don't get to pitch for a week. You could uh, go 0 for 10, and you're still a really good hitter, but you're 0 for 10. So uh, teaching them and helping them through the psyche is very important. But managing the rest of the team who aren't getting the opportunity to play and still being great teammates, that's the art of the challenge. The bench. The bench, because everybody needs the to pull the same direction. So we've had this thing for the last several years that we've done. We have two books that every player has to read. Chop wood and carry water is about the process and um, like the development process. It takes time. It's a lot of hard work to get to where you want to be. Secondly is the hard hat, which is about being a great teammate. And I think those lessons in life, if you understand process and you understand being a great teammate, will serve them well, well beyond the baseball field in the game of life. And uh, so for me, it's more about the team than it is about, uh, you know, the eye. you know, so I, and that's contrary to society right now. Right now, society's teaching us to grab everything we can as quickly as we can individually. But being a great teammate will serve these guys. They'll be just, I mean, they'll have a chance to knock it out of the park if they truly grasp the uh, working as a team because then all corporations are going to want them to be a part of it. Um, and they'll rise because they'll know how to serve. If you're a good teammate, you know how to serve others. Coach, I do. As you talk about that, I, I I try to wrap my head around what is it like as a coach for the players that aren't playing regularly to kind of keep them tuned in. Um, and also, when you go about drafting, to bring a freshman in and sit him down, not quite ready to play yet, but maybe the junior or senior knows, oh boy, going to take my place pretty soon. I just see in baseball more so than others this potential conflict in their minds about some of these things. And you do such a good job of balancing all that, obviously. But what's the what's the trick there? Well, I, I don't think there's any um, specific formula. I think it's individual. I think it's based on your team chemistry. I think it's based on the individual, what his needs are. Um, it's based on your vision for that person. It's based on dirt honesty because dirt honesty, we tell guys right where they're at. In other words, hey, man, Joe, this is where you're at right now. Um, you know, you're behind so-and-so. These are the things you need to work on. Man, with some hard work. Is that hard for you to do sometimes? To yeah. sit down with somebody saying, you know what, you've had a great two years, but... Yeah, I think you... I, but I just follow this premise I always have, dirt honesty. I just think when you're really honest with people, I think I think that's just the way you should do business. And uh, 
I think people respect that. You know, whether they agree with it, that could be a whole other thing. But the truth of the matter is you're telling them honestly instead of holding it and then they find out and they miss a year or whatever, they don't get to play or they it affected their decision making and they didn't realize how you felt. Yeah. I, I feel like putting it all out there's integrity and that's the way we should do our business. I just I just think that's a very neat approach uh, as you balance those things off with everybody. We've been with Coach Rich Maloney, everybody, the head baseball coach at Ball State with just simply an incredible career. Um, and Coach, um, I wish you good luck traveling the rest of the year as you keep recruiting and um, good luck for another season coming up. And to all of you out there on WMUN, join us next week for all kinds of people on 92.5 FM. <laughs>